0: Welcome, ladies and gentlemen, to the Danger Room, the X-Men Comics Commentary Podcast. My name is Evil Adam.
1: Whoa. I guess that makes me Evil Jeremy. If you want to be. Is this our Halloween special? Because it's being recorded (laughs) near Halloween but won't be released until next to Thanksgiving. Exactly. (laughs) This should actually be our Thanksgiving special. Oh, I'm so full. I had so much pie. Ooh. Oh, yeah. Tryptophan. Oh, my gosh. Is that what it's called? Yes, tryptophan. I ate so much turkey and then fell asleep watching football
0: because that's yeah. what you do. I don't watch football. No, I don't either. We we just lost 6% of our fan base.
1: <laughs> what? Thanksgiving and football are as American as apple pie.
0: Um, I, I just could never get into it. I don't know why. Football? Yeah.
1: Oh, I watched football for a little while, but then... It's like three hours for a game every Sunday.
0: I enjoy being in a room with people that are watching football and them getting all excited and like, you know, all the highs and the lows, but I don't watch the game. I, I, I just have no interest in it. It looks like a big green screen to me.
1: <laughs> well, I'm sorry to hear that. And so our, our fans now that have left us who watch football. <laughs> well, they didn't hear that.
0: They left already.
1: Oh, good, good.
0: What, what are we here to talk about, Adam? We are here to talk about Uncanny X-Men number 230, the June 1988 issue on sale February 16th of 1988 with a cover price of a $1. dollar. This one's titled Twas the Night, dot, dot, dot. Fill y- in the blank.
1: Yeah. um, This is the Christmas issue. So it's our Halloween that's released on Thanksgiving episode of the Christmas issue of the X Men. Wacky. Wacky wild. Uh, cover super boring, immemorable. This is one that if I see on a t shirt, I, I don't buy, even for the nostalgia factor.
0: And you know why? It's just the coloring is bad. You you color this with a with a, like some maybe maybe less of the red and more give long shot more of a kind of a some some actual face coloring and this is an interesting cover.
1: I think you're right. Uh, I think the, I mean, the only color here is the background and the pile of treasure that Longshot is standing on. Otherwise, Longshot, who's in the center of the cover, is pretty much all in silhouette. And then you've got some gray ghosts kind of surrounding. Uh, so, yeah. yeah, the only thing that sticks out is the background, which is the thing you don't want to
0: stick out. It's a big red. Well, we've, we've brought out the backgrounds before in Silvestris. He does not like drawing detailed backgrounds on his cover and generally gives them over to one solid cover or uh, a color. And, and this is an example of it where it's not working in the favor of the, the, the work also different inker than usual. It's not uh, green Dan green. This is Joe Rubenstein.
1: Yeah. And I think you will this. Yes. You can definitely tell within the issue that uh, the inking is not, Inking really brings out the art.
0: Yeah, Joe Rubenstein attempts to be doing his best Dan Green early on in the issue and then stops doing that very quickly. So so maybe I'm just imagining it because I'm used to that.
1: And since you're reading out of the Omnibus and I'm reading out of the old 2005 scans, I have the Omnibus, but damn, is that thing heavy.
0: It is heavy, but a guy like you getting up there in the age, you should, you should really start lifting weights. Oh, no. It's too late. Such as, it's too late for this me. It's uh, a hardcover bound collection.
1: But on the inside of the cover is the first that I know of advertisement for the personalized G.I. Joe action figure, if you recall that.
0: Oh, gosh. What did I call my guy? Oh, you had one? Oh, yeah. I totally had one. I Anytime there was a mail-in for G.I. Joe, I did it.
1: Oh, okay. So you had like so, yeah. the, the hooded Cobra Commander and all that stuff?
0: I had the hooded Cobra Commander. Um, what was this guy? He was like the something brigade or something like that.
1: He was nothing. I mean, he was a Joe. He had a helmet and a, a gun, so he could be anybody. And I think that was the yep. whole point: is that you you have like all these check boxes, like your primary specialty, your secondary specialty, and my guess is some sort of pre printed uh, dossier card. Although looking at the, um, actually, I think there is a brigade thing there. It says like. Steel Brigade.
0: Steel Brigade. Yeah. yeah, that's what it was.
1: But looking at the dossier card, so G.I. Joe had a very distinct one. It looked kind of like a manila folder type deal with a, you know, the bump out on the left side. This is just like a rectangle, which...
0: Yeah, no, the dossier card was a, a big uh, kind of a squarish, like it was tall instead of wide. Um, it doesn't fit with any of the other ones.
1: And that's super disappointing. Like, if you're going to go through all the trouble of filling this out and sending in seven and a half dollars now mind you this is what 1988 1987 mm-hmm. GI Joe's were maybe like three bucks at this at this point in the stores so you're spending seven and a half dollars plus a dollar fifty shipping and handle handling nine dollars for your personalized joe and the dossier card doesn't even match the rest of them
0: Boom. disappointing
1: <laughs> and it says like you can have all these weapons experts like there's diff- like two different weapons but I'm guessing all of them came with the same gun. <laughs> yeah, they they were all the same. <laughs> I would expect, you know, if they were to do this same promotion in 2018, um, that that they would probably card your figure, like put it on a blister pack and everything. But I'm guessing
0: this did not come on a blister pack. No, it came in a little bag. Yeah. Um, I want to say that if you go onto the internet, you can probably figure out what body parts this guy is from, because he was probably some amalgamation of previous figures that they put together
1: oh probably i would totally bet that you are correct anyways there you go that's your gi joe trivia for this issue
0: if i well i'll never remember this but if i if i do remember it i'll look up i'll see if i can find my dossier and figure out what the heck i named it was probably something stupid (laughs) gun guy well not that stupid
1: (laughs) his name wasn't gun guy
0: uh, it was probably something that I thought was really cool as a kid, like Shadow f- Fire.
1: Scorpion Killer.
0: <laughs> yeah, something yeah, okay. stupid.
1: What? That was a cool name. Oh, yeah, yeah. That's <laughs> what I named all of my imaginary G.I. Joes.
0: Scorpion Killer?
1: No, no, Gun Guy. <laughs> 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 All right, anyways, uh, Twas the Night is what this issue is called. It is written by Chris Claremont, penciled by Mark Silvestri, inked by Joe Rubinstein, colored by Glynis Oliver, Tom Orzakowski's letter, and Nacenti's the edit- editor, and Tom DeFalco's the editor in chief. True that. And Storm is flying, and she's so happy to be flying up above the clouds.
0: In case you didn't know, Storm can fly again.
1: She's back, everybody, better than ever. Yeah. Um, no
0: Mohawk. Just regular old storm.
1: Well, it's kind of a mohawk. Her sides are mm-hmm. still shaved.
0: It's not see what the it mohawk. Did, it's not it's not the mohawk in the way it was, but it's also not the hair the, in the way that it was. So uh, yeah, I guess it's I guess it's mohawkish. This is
1: the style I don't care for because it's like uh, halfway in between. Like they just can't make up their mind. Like does she have all of her hair back? Does she still have the mohawk? So in frames like this, it's like okay, she has all of her hair back. But then you'll see her later. And the sides of her head are clearly um, shaven to, to kind of give her a mohawk. but yeah, So it's, it's like it, a fauxhawk. Yes.
0: I'm not actually sure what a fauxhawk is, but no. this is, that's,
1: that's what it is. See, a fauxhawk is when you have a full head of hair, but you that you just spike up the middle
0: into like a Was point. It,
1: that's a fauxhawk. is that essentially what she's doing? No, because she's got like above her ears is all shaved.
0: Well, this is weird because like in order to grow, like so she – she had to grow her mohawk out really, really tall in order to get this amount of hair. This this haircut doesn't make any sense.
1: And that's I think that's partially why I don't like this phase of Storm, because her hair doesn't make any sense.
0: Let's just say it's very 80s and move on.
1: Okay, so this is a practice session. Uh, everybody's kind of feeling their groove, especially Madeline. She's found the computer banks of the Reavers, and it's so uh, user uh, friendly hey. and intuitive that she's able to pull her own weight and figure out how to like monitor the X-Men and, and give heads up to team members about things.
0: And their mission for this training mission is to, I guess, stop Rogue, who is playing the bad guy or the challenger.
1: And Rogue is, uh, she's paying attention to her training session, but she's also wondering about Gateway. He just sits up there like he doesn't have anywhere to go, any family. And, uh, while she's sidetracked thinking about that, Havoc shoots her in the side.
0: Surprise, sugar! Uh,
1: Betsy is able to use a little bit of uh, her telepathy to kind of confuse her, and then Dazzler is able to use her photon beam to blind her. Who she, she goes toppling into Colossus. Colossus flips her over. Uh, she makes a comment in her head. She thinks about how much stronger Colossus is now, which I think is is the beginning of of something new we learn about Colossus. He's getting stronger.
0: Yep. And then Wolverine comes in for the quote kill where he does his uh claw in the middle thing. If he pops the claw in his middle, the the other two claws are on the opposite sides of her neck, so the claw in the middle would basically kill her.
1: Now I I've, I've put my my fist up against my chin to figure out if I could do what Wolverine's doing.
0: Secondary mutation is that Wolverine's claws, if he wants them to, can kind of bend off to the sides. <laughs> I just thought like, it's
1: like he has like really wide fists.
0: It depends on who's drawing him.
1: Ah, good point.
0: I mean, two panels earlier, he clearly doesn't. <laughs> but uh, <laughs> yes, but like the, like if you if you look at your like your your pinky and your index finger mm-hmm. and you see, you see how there's, you can, you can manipulate them. Yeah. Wolverine can do that with his claws.
1: Oh, wow. That's it's handy. So, uh, yes, uh, Madeline thinks to herself. She's like, uh, finally she's able to contribute. Uh, and, and now she'll be able to, uh, find the marauders and make them pay for what they stole from her. And we get kind of an ominous spoiler in the bottom of the page. A heartfelt promise, a pity Madeline Pryor doesn't remember that one should always be careful what one wishes for. But that's a story for another day.
0: I have no idea what that means. I do. Oh, okay. You don't? I can't remember what happens to Madeline.
1: What? Oh my God, all right. I know
0: there's, I know, there's, I know bits and pieces of it, but I don't know what this exactly is referring to. W-
1: what's the name of your omnibus?
0: Um, Inferno Prologue.
1: Boom, nailed it.
0: What does this have to do with that?
1: Uh well I, I don't want to spoil it for you.
0: All right. Okay.
1: <laughs> put a tack in it. Uh, a pin, put a pin in it. Well, Not a tack. Not well you could put a tack in it I guess. So <laughs> so on the next page, uh the second panel, uh you see Storm and you see she's got this weird mohawk thing going on like the the above her ears is definitely shaved. Now she has like a mane of hair.
0: So it's like she's got hair in the back and yes. it combines with who is cutting her hair? God, and... Actually,
1: it's kind of like a mullet because it's it's kind of short. Not that short, but it's way shorter in the front than it is the back. Yeah. Wow.
0: Makes no sense. It's
1: bad. Mark Sylvester, you ought to be ashamed. <laughs>
0: <laughs> no, I mean, visually it looks interesting. But like once you try to actually figure it out, it's like, well, that just makes no sense.
1: Yeah, Uh, Storm is.
0: We're not supposed to be thinking about it that much.
1: I guess not. Storm is. Oh, oh, we could uh, blame Joe Rubenstein. Yeah, it's his fault that her hair looks dumb. Does it look
0: dumb in previous issues? I don't know.
1: (laughs) Um, I think it looks pretty cool in X Men
0: Two Twenty Eight. Yeah, in the previous issue, it's not barely even a mohawk. Hmm. I don't know what's going on.
1: She's a little cross because she's like Wolverine. This was a test for the entire team. Where is Longshot?
0: You get cross from that? I think she's just asking. No, she's cross. All right, <laughs> she's she's very cross. Okay, maybe this she's is, not. I think you're just adding. I mean, you know, it, she can be cross. That's the beauty of comics, I suppose. In your comic book, she's cross, and mine, she's just asking a question.
1: So we do flip our attention over to Longshot, and he is going through some I don't know reaver catacombs, and he he's been uh, he's wondering who's calling out to him and why they're calling and why they're hiding
0: the voices sounded so lonely and scared i didn't want to frighten them more ha
1: so is that yeah that's elf right i forgot (laughs) that's what you were going to do um so he kicks open the door and he's like soaring spitfires and in, ah <laughs> and inside it's a crazy Scrooge McDuck like treasure cave. But in the treasure cave, we get a two pan two panel or two page spread of ghosts and treasures, and all the ghosts are crying out in pain.
0: I think this is more of a schmaug uh, pile of gold than a scrooge McDuck pile of gold.
1: I didn't see Schmaug or any of the other Movies, so
0: I don't think you could go swimming in this. Okay, <laughs>
1: um, you couldn't go swimming in Schmaug's pile,
0: yeah. It was more of a like a massive kind of um, I don't know. There, there's a there's a different quality to Scrooge McDuck's gold, it, it, looks, it looks more swimmable. Well, he's got a and ball. it is more swimmable because yeah. he's, he's
1: always swimming in it, yeah. Uh, yeah, so he's wandering around and he's hearing all these voices and they're calling out to him, like. Stolen we were from those who loved us. Here we do not belong. Please take us home.
0: And we get uh, a power that was first kind of touched upon in the Longshot miniseries. He picks up a bracelet, I guess is what this is, um, from the gold. And he says, when I touch things, sometimes I feel images from them. Psylocke calls it psychometry. Ha!
1: (laughs) And I think this was hinted at a while ago and i said this will make a, a reappearance
0: I, it was it was in the long shot mini series I don't, I don't remember it being in x men proper but it probably was i
1: don't yeah maybe that,
0: maybe that's when you mentioned it it's
1: been touched upon from time to time but anyways here we get the full effect of his psychometry and uh, it's it's so much he sees all these stories about people who have crafted these fine pieces of jewelry and the people that have given it to loved ones only to have them steal stolen so much you can't take it. All of the psychometry that he shouts, it's more than I can bear. Ha! <laughs> That's ex- exactly. And this is where I got a little confused because, okay, so that happened, and then the narration box says another day. So Yeah,
0: so it's later.
1: It's not even like, it's not later, it's not the next day. It's just another day.
0: Well, we learn uh later that it's been at least a few days
1: let's let's try to go through it because I'd like to piece that together because we do a bunch of stuff, and then everyone's like, "Long shot, you woke up, and I don't remember the beginning of him not being awake. So anyways, we're in Dazzler's apartment, and she's just she's cross. She's very angry that she has to live in the remains of the Reaver's pigsty mess. And she freaks out because there's something under the bed. Colossus comes flying in and he makes a little
0: joke. He bursts through the wall. Come on, Colossus, relax. <laughs> well, he thinks maybe a villain is in there. but Yeah, but I mean, come on. Like there, The door was wide enough that he didn't have to smash a portion of the door.
1: I agree. I also don't care for Dazzler's pose where she's kind of like, oh, oh, a mouse.
0: Yeah, it's it's the classic woman on a chair mouse sort of thing.
1: There's no chair, but if there was a chair, this picture would be complete. It's that bad. <laughs> um, and she's like, some, I mean, she's a she's a superhero. She was the Herald of Galactus, for God's sakes. You can't tell me a mouse is going to frighten her. Well, you know, it's it's comedy. No, it's bad. Uh, so she's like under the bed, and she's like, be careful. And Colossus is like, do not worry. I have it, a something certainly, and perhaps even alive but hardly much of a threat, and it's just like yellow goop. Yeah, what is it? Yellow goop. He says it's perhaps even alive. Yellow goop
0: isn't alive.
1: Uh, I think it's just a joke, like, hey, we left the cheese in the fridge too long. Now it might be thinking.
0: Is it like a dead animal?
1: I think it's just mold and and goopy garbage. Why would
0: Colossus pick that up?
1: Well, because he's made out of metal.
0: I thought maybe it was like poo.
1: I don't make I guess it could be Reaver poo.
0: Yellow Reaver poo.
1: <laughs> it's a mixture of oil and, I don't know, poo. And so Dazzler, she freaks out and she's like, I hate it. She's angry. There's nothing to do. There's no TV. I can't boogie on a Saturday night. And now, let me ask you this, Adam. The X-Men <laughs> don't have Monday through Friday 8 to 5 jobs. Am I correct?
0: Uh, as of as of currently, yes.
1: Uh, as of currently, they they all they do is superhero so they could technically boogie on whatever night they wanted to, right? I think she's more complaining that there's no place around to boogie. Okay, that's fair. That's fair. She does say no place whatsoever to boogie on a Saturday night. This is the end. Do you hear I'm through? I've had enough. If this is what it means to be a legend, I wish I'd stay dead. Havoc and Wolverine and Storm are just sitting there talking about what a prima donna she is. Havok is wearing the stupidest outfit ever (laughs) He looks like he's on safari And he's got a shovel What is going on? I don't know Because, well that was the other thing that was confusing to me Because if you miss that little dialogue That says another day You just kind of think that this is like A couple hours after their practice session Because everybody except for Wolverine And Havok are still in their costumes Right
0: So Storm just wears her costume Dazzler just wears her costume Wolverine took off his shirt. Hell yeah. He was just walking around in some jeans and a cowboy hat. They're not Uh, even
1: blue jeans. They're like brown. So I don't think they make brown jeans. So I bet you they're like corduroy.
0: This is his classic Japanese cowboy hat. Right. With the half sun. It's got
1: the setting sun on it.
0: And then randomly Havoc is just wearing the African safari uniform.
1: But not the hat. He's wearing like a baseball cap. Same color he's got, scheme.
0: He's, he's got like the same color kind of khaki baseball cap. And the, and the cap says Xavier's on it in later's, oh. later panels.
1: And he's got gray socks that are pulled up almost to his knees. That's just weird. That's bad. <laughs> So who knows what he was doing? Uh, Maybe gardening, but those are way too fancy of
0: clothes to be gardening in. (laughs) He was on safari.
1: (laughs) I'll be in the back on safari.
0: I found these cool Reaver's clothes. (laughs) Yeah.
1: So uh, Storm agrees that the place is a filthy pigsty, so she casts a huge monsoon and just rolls all the water throughout the entire Reaver ghost town. Washing away they're all very, the garbage and clothes and whatever else there was. They're
0: very descriptive in how it works. First it's first it's water with enough power to push things outdoors, and then it gets a little complicated after that. Um becomes like a flood that scours the floor somehow somehow. Which I don't know if your basement's ever been flooded, but I, I wish I wish I had a flood like this and not like the flood that hit my basement.
1: <laughs> Fortunately I've never had a flood in my basement.
0: But yeah, I imagine it's, it's super messy. Yeah, and, and 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 you never. I don't know. You can. You may never really clean it up. I still feel like I'm finding flooded like muck, dirt. Yeah, muck and mm-hmm. dirt from from flood days.
1: Yeah. So this seems like a bad idea. Like as a homeowner who has dealt with various water issues, like flooding the entire town, just seems like a lot of like structural problems would occur, mold. Rot, etc. But
0: well, they do their best in the panels to explain how this is different, but right. still, it just <laughs> just makes me sad.
1: Yeah. And so, as all the garbage is pushed out into one big pile, Havoc offers everybody a chance to grab something, and then he disintegrates it. Skazap. All the while, Gateway is watching, kind of like judgily his facial expression is.
0: So maybe, well, his, maybe he's just his, not
1: quite sure of the X-Men yet.
0: His facial expression is implied to be not meaning anything. Like they say impassively.
1: Well, so. yeah. So in the first panel where you see Gateway, you're kind of like, oh, he's just kind of like watching and just like inquisitive. But in the next panel, he's got like, he's got scrunched up eyes and like
0: pursed lips. Well, this—I I think this is a really good drawing because no, it's—it's—it's
1: like, it's it's a, it's a great drawing. But to me, it conveys like kind of like a, hmm, I do don't know if these white people are going to respect my land. That's what I it see. Also, when I look it
0: also—it it also conveys almost a smirk, like he's like I, I can also interpret it as like he's kind of getting a chuckle out of this whole thing. So I, I think it works on a lot of different levels, which is why I think it's such a good drawing. It's,
1: I it, actually. It, did not see the smirk until you said that. I guess I kind of do see it now. So I guess, yeah, so, it, it, could be either, it could be either one.
0: I think it's, well, I think it's maybe both.
1: Interesting. Gateway's deep. <laughs> <laughs> so we move on. Um, they're all kind of wondering, like, there's a gateway up on his hill.
0: What do you think he's doing? He wants us to know Havoc. He'll tell us. This is his land. Where the Johnny-come-lately intruders. Up to us to prove we belong. Rogue brings
1: him a picnic basket, introduces herself, and this is when we get a panel that says, later, after Dazzler has taken a shower, I'm guessing after the flood, and days later, we get the next panel that says, Long shot, you're awake!
0: I should point out that there is no running water and that sh- uh, Storm is supplying the showers.
1: Does that mean Storm has to watch everybody shower?
0: I don't think she does, because, I mean, she just ran all the water through the houses, but... I'm like, I don't, I don't, does she get any, <laughs> it's probably something like I'm, I'm tossing water through the the shower stall. Now somebody go in there I...
1: <laughs> for the next 15 minutes, there will be showers and then I'm done for the next two days. Um, the, So yeah, I got very confused because we never, it was never really established to me anyways, that Longshot passed out. The X-Men found him and the X-Men put him into a bed. It's just like now days later and later, he wakes up.
0: Uh, yeah, so I guess you just have to kind of go with the implications that at some point they found him, and he's been he's been unconscious for days. Uh, Dazzler says, oh, gosh, oh, golly, you've been unconscious for days. You head is all frantic. What the heck happened to you? I feel a lot better, Hellie,
1: especially now I've seen you. Ha! <laughs> oh, gosh, oh, golly, you've been unconscious for days. And then the rest of the X-Men come in, and Dazzler, or, um... Uh, Betsy explains that he had a psychic shock syndrome because he absorbed. Essentially,
0: our impetuous young colleague suffered a
1: transient psychometric overload. Yes. (laughs) Too too many impressions all at once.
0: (laughs) Of course. Perfectly obvious. And then Wolverine says, snort. To which Longchat says,
1: ha! (laughs) And that's when Rogue says one way to settle this for sure. Hang loose, y'all. I'll be right back. And she flies down to the treasure cave, grabs a piece of treasure... Gives it to Longshot and comes up with a plan to have Betsy Psy link them all together to essentially project whatever Longshot sees to all of the X-Men, which Storm concedes is a great plan. And it is. It's like movies. And so Longshot touches the piece of uh, jewelry and we get kind of a little backstory of it being crafted and then gifted and then passed down to generations and then stolen by a reaver.
0: No, oh, no. And
1: now the jewelry is sad.
0: And another good panel of uh, everybody looking kind of sad about it.
1: Yeah, I mean... It's a, it's, it's I, I, a great
0: Rogan colossus, Colossus. Uh, Havoc's just kind of like, ugh, those are the breaks.
1: <laughs> this is my summer's smirk. <laughs> mm-hmm. uh, yeah. Um, so they, uh, I guess they all get into costume because... Um... I guess off-panel, I think Havok said, we should return it all. And now the X-Men are talking about it. Like, this is crazy. Long shot, you can't be serious. You want us to return it? And it's not that Wolverine wants to keep it. He's just logistically thinking about, like, that's a lot of crap. How are we possibly going to be able to return it?
0: Well, he makes a really good point, which is like, this is not what the X-Men do.
1: Right. Well, and he's like, we're supposed to be able to strike, and, and this is why we did this whole thing that we did. We don't return treasure.
0: But I'm thinking... Is this like the new direction? Are the, are, are the next few issues going to be them returning like random pieces of jewelry and we're getting like all these cool backstories about the jewelry and we have wacky adventures? I could do this for like five issues. It oh could my, be fun. Really? Well, maybe three. <laughs> <laughs> it depends on how good the stories are. I don't know. Yeah,
1: yeah. It all comes down to writing. Um, yeah, I can. No. It, doesn't, no. It,
0: does, it was not to be.
1: <laughs> so, uh Yeah. Um, Storm says this may not be practical, but she agrees with the others that it's necessary, and so they go through the jewelry. Uh, we piece. get a
0: montage, and I imagine there's like some lovely music, like did you picture everything that was happening When I was doing that? <laughs>
1: Um, I, I did, but that's cause I'm looking at
0: the panel. <laughs> <laughs> so basically they're sorting all of the gold into different piles, which begs the question, why do they need to get dressed up for this? Cause immediately Wolverine is stripped down to his underwear in this next panel.
1: <laughs> He's the only one too. Everybody's in full costume. It's only Wolverine is stripped down to his underwear. It's weird. But yeah, it's a it's a cool montage in that every teammate has their part, even if it's just moving a piece of jewelry from one place to another place uh, or Madeline using the computer to pinpoint where the thing goes. Betsy shielding long shot from overload, long shot placing where it goes. And it looks like Rogue is like the Lemonade Girl.
0: Well, beer, it's got to be beer for she's handing it to Wolverine.
1: Uh, law or um, Havoc. Earlier in the panel, is helping move stuff back and forth, and looks
0: like Dazzler's just trying on fur coats. It's it, it's a montage. I mean, <laughs> <laughs> you're okay. getting th- everybody's not just doing the thing that we're seeing them in this panel. They're all doing other stuff. No, but we Adam. get the little fun things where
1: that's the uh, point. Dazzler
0: tries something on, and uh, Havoc gives her the uh, the uh, what is that symbol? The AOK, I guess.
1: Yes, looking fine. And so they finally make six piles, one for each continent, um, and then a seventh pile for items which possess no resonance and cannot be returned. And Dazzler seems, sees a motorcycle that's super gnarly and sweet, and she wants it so bad.
0: Now, this pose is even worse than the previous pose. She's doing a pit-up cheesecake pose. It's bad. <laughs> yeah and, i'm gonna stick my butt out to show how much i really want this motorcycle yeah one could
1: argue that it's like motorcycle is first and foremost and we had to bend dazzler over to get her into the frame but i think it well, was no, just an it, excuse to yeah. do a cheesecake pinup
0: it's just silly which <laughs> you know i i feel I, I feel like it's supposed to be kind of silly so it, it it doesn't bother me that much it's
1: uh, yeah, it is what it is. Um, <laughs> so then they go up to gateway and I guess this, this will be the first time they're actually using gateway for a, um, for teleportation. And so like,
0: listen, uh, gateway, uh, we need your help and, uh, we don't, haven't been doing much communication, but, uh, Rogue brought you some sandwiches. So, uh, I don't know. We got a deal here. What's going on? <laughs> And they're like, all right,
1: well, he's opening up the gateway. I guess we just got to trust that it's cool. And it is. Gateway teleports them exactly where they need to go. And like Robin Hood's in the night, they're walking across ceilings and hopping in windows, returning jewelry.
0: Um, she, he, he, they're able to tell Gateway where they need to go through uh, Betsy's telepathy. It's just sort of a detail. Meh. <laughs> <laughs> And then the rest of it is uh, uh, another montage, essentially, of them, like you said, returning stuff. We see Dazzler under a Christmas tree uh, with some little kids. Is she a thief? No, she's leaving presents. And she says she's one of Santa's special helpers. Bye now. The new
1: mutants are in Salem Center singing carols, but it's wicked bad blizzard. It's terrible. Nobody's happy. Everybody's complaining. And Storm's flying over ahead. She's like, oh, I wish I could say hi to them, but I can't. So let me fix the weather. And the new mutants are like, ah, well, the wind's dying down and the sleet's changing to snow. What do you think, guys? Let's sing another carol. And they do.
0: So Storm thinks to herself, poor Eliana, I wish we could have revealed the truth. But better the pain of this lie than that of mourning another slain teammate. What? Um, So the lie of mourning a a slain teammate, I guess, is better. I mean, first of all, does she not know about Doug? They are mourning a real live dead teammate. Well, I guess he's not real live anymore. A real dead live teammate.
1: (laughs) I guess I didn't really pay that line much thought, but now that I read it, it doesn't make any sense. Better the pain of this lie, all of us dead X-Men, than that of mourning another. Who would be the mourning of another slain teammate who would that be
0: i'm not sure i mean i guess she's like really like you know if we were to reveal ourselves one day somebody's gonna die for real
1: i guess maybe the marauders will kill one of the new mutants because the x-men are alive
0: i is yeah that could be it i mean she's definitely stretching here whatever it is okay but what's worse is that like they are mourning the death of doug they are so it's not better it's worse. It's compounded upon. They think all the X Men are dead, on top of their real their their real dead friend. This is this is bad leadership. <laughs>
1: uh, yeah, that's weird. Um, so, anyways, uh, Wolverine he has a little little run in, sort of. He watches this boy named Billy Mao up in Hong Kong, who never knew the X Men existed until the day they died, and they changed his life forever. And now he sprays live on the X-Men's wanted poster
0: an English poster with English uh, <laughs> text that he he spray paints English text onto it they could have at least I don't know <laughs> it's in Hong Kong why not put it in San Francisco or something I don't know it should have been Madripoor oh, I like that it totally should have been Madripoor then I would have complained I wouldn't have complained about the language
1: uh, and Longshot drops off one of the primary pieces of jewelry that's been featured early in the issue to a nurse who's very excited to have Mother's necklace back. So excited that he shed the tear as she's reunited with her necklace. Ha! 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 He says, Willie, check this the... out.
0: She turns around and it's like, did somebody say ha?
1: <laughs> she hears the scampering of alien feet. <laughs> I imagine that uh, elf scampers.
0: Um yeah. Yeah, <laughs> I would imagine he does.
1: And so over the course of a single night they returned every piece in the entire world and nobody even realized what the night was.
0: Or so things Dazzler until she comes around the corner and everybody says,
1: "Merry Christmas." Oh, and okay. she's like,
0: "Oh.
1: Okay. <laughs> no prob. That's a bet I don't mind." losing oh and i bet none of us realize what it was everybody knew okay uh and she's like well i've been feeling pretty bad but now that we did this i understand what it is we do and and i'm cool i'm proud to be an x-man it seems like dazzler has had to have a lot of like coming to jesus moments about being an (laughs) x-man it's like her arc her only arc that keeps happening but anyway She's resolved to be an X-Man and they're like, well, Wolverine and I hope that a small gift will help you make the transition. And Wolverine, who's got a bag of Christmas gifts slung over his shoulder, presents her with the motorcycle that she was fawning over earlier.
0: And she's like, the bike. But we learned that that went to somebody over in Hong Kong. (laughs) We stole
1: it because screw that person. (laughs) Longshot says, road trip. And she says, climb on, cutie. You can learn by doing. To which I say, he didn't ask if he could drive it. (laughs) He just asked if they were going on a road trip.
0: Yeah. That's a a weird turn of phrase.
1: Uh, Storm and Wolverine share some wine or champagne or something. They cheer each other. Prosecco. Is that what it is? (laughs) Sure. (laughs) And so Rogue goes up to visit Gateway to bring him a piece of cake and a gift of her own. It's a flute. And she
0: has a... Which I'm going to imagine she made herself. Because why not? Sure. Why not? It wasn't in the treasure, Chase. Why would it be there?
1: It's made out of, like, wood or bamboo. I'm going to say yeah. she stopped at a shop when she was returning some jewelry.
0: An old-time shoppy?
1: Shoppy, if you will. And she purchased this with some of the stolen treasure from pile number seven.
0: Do you think they made the cake or bought the cake?
1: Oh, it's a, it's a, it's a totally a grocery store cake. Mm. <laughs> I don't I, <laughs> and so she's like, look, uh, you know, here, here we are. She, she says, uh, thanks to you tonight. We were able to, to fix some things and I won't bother you anymore. And he grabs her by the wrist, pats the ground next to him and starts playing the flute. Now, the thing I have a problem with. Is it's a recorder, but it looks like in the last pay- panel, he's playing it like a flute.
0: Yes, that <laughs> would be uh, a mistake or a very strangely designed recorder.
1: Right. And so
0: so I'm going to go with strangely designed. You know, this is the first thing that uh, Rogue has ever whittled out of wood. So she might have put the mouthpiece in the wrong place. And he's like, "It's
1: it's fine. She's trying. I'm gonna humor her.
0: Now, do you think the tune is like, like? Do you think he knows how to play, or, or are these like all terrible notes? <laughs> somebody, somebody who's a musician, assuming that that is a, a real set of notes, which I guess it is, because it's got the. The four mm-hmm,
1: mm-hmm.
0: things, yeah. They, these are notes. Somebody, somebody, play this. It's got somebody a lot of record qu- it and send it to us.
1: Quarter and eighth notes. It looks like it would looks like it would also be very high pitched. Um, there's no measures. There's no like timing signature, so you can make up no, your own timing. If it's, let's
0: assume it's four four,
1: or 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 not. Right, you could get. Like super creative and do do like a three-four timing on it.
0: The, well, there there are lines uh, in between some of the 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 clefs or whatever they're. called, Oh, I guess they're,
1: you're right, you're right. So that's uh, probably wait,
0: clef, just a, clef is the other thing. I don't know music measure. So I the, think <laughs> so. These are quarter notes. So that's so there's half. one two three four five six notes per. Okay. One two three four rest six <laughs> one two three four five six one two three for rest i guess that's a double rest i don't know
1: (laughs) so my question is do you think uh it's if well there's there's a number of ways that this this could be interpreted uh the first is do you think the first note is the note closest to gateway or further away from gateway and then second do you think this music is right side up or upside down like is it a super high piece or is it a super low piece
0: I think it's Anagata DeVita.
1: <laughs> there you go, everybody. Challenges out there. Somebody who knows how to play a recorder like a flute should totally play this. Yeah.
0: Uh, I'll see if, if I remember. I'll try to work it out on the piano
1: oh, someday. There you go. D- do you know how to play piano?
0: I, kn- I know how to read music for piano, but it'll take me like like this, this 15 notes could take me like, I don't know, 15 hours.
1: <laughs> I feel like you'd have to like redraw it onto straight lines.
0: Yeah, probably.
1: (laughs) All right. Well, that's uh, X-Men number 230.
0: Yeah, man. Kind
1: of a filler, if you ask me.
0: It was, uh, yeah, totally a filler. I mean, this is the definition of filler. (laughs) This is a freaking Christmas issue. Which doesn't even correlate with the X-Factor Christmas issue from a few months back. It's like, get your Christmas issues in line with each other, people.
1: Yeah, I'm with you.
0: But, you know. Like I said, I would have been okay if they did this for a couple. Like this was the new X Men, returning gifts around the world, X Men adventures, wacky.
1: Would they get into fights with people? Maybe. <laughs>
0: okay, it's
1: just a lot of like returning. It's like a yeah, you know, like a four month of Christmas well, well, issue.
0: Picture like uh, like a like a sitcom, like a, or not a sitcom, like like Quantum Leap, where you have essentially. The same formula every episode, but it it has you know deviations on that formula that allows you to have different stories. Well, we have our formula, and now we're going to do a couple months of X Men returning things, adventures, and sure they get into fights still. So I mean, they also have to keep their identity secret, and every every there's a the journalist coming after them who's like, "Are the X Men back? Hmm, what is this string of strange returns that's happening?" this smells like the X-Men. <laughs> and they have to stay off the trail. And there's always like a random kid who's like, the X-Men are back. I got to tell the world. And the X-Men are like, we got to stop him. And every time Gateway teleports them to
1: their next definition, they all look at each other and say, oh boy. <laughs> yes.
0: Yeah, they have, they, all have, they all have catchphrases. Longshot just says,
1: ha! <laughs> Who would be the equivalent of their... Oh god, what was his name? I don't
0: remember. <laughs>
1: remember, no, it was uh, which uh, one?
0: The the main guy or the other guy?
1: The the Dean Stockwell character. Uh, he had his computer, which was named Ziggy, but I don't remember what his actual name was. He was always well, maybe like,
0: that, maybe that would be Madeline. He's
1: like, Ziggy like, says there's a fifty eight percent chance that you have to live as a woman for three months. Oh boy! <laughs> or I think that's what Scott
0: bacula said so madeline is like the computer scientist who's kind of helping them do this so in order to go on missions she creates a holographic version of herself that accompanies them
1: oh fancy yeah okay well let us know uh listeners what what you think could you have gone for another four or five issues of quantum treasure return (laughs) issues if so let us know by visiting us at www.xmenpodcast.com facebook.com forward slash danger room podcast tweet us at danger room go or follow us you can email us at danger room at xmenpodcast.com or go out to itunes and search for danger room in the podcast section with the first one that should pop up can like us you can subscribe to us you can leave us a rating Leave us some feedback or you can call us 501 get X-Men that's 501 438 9636 and play your recorder flute version of the music from the end of this issue into your phone because that would sound awesome yeah
0: that could be your new ringtone <laughs>
1: uh, and you can also go out to uh, patreon.com forward slash danger room and pay us <laughs> <laughs> I ain't soft selling this. Just give us your money, a dollar at a time. I mean, really, we're not asking for that much. Uh, and then, of course, our theme music is provided by Laszlo Hollyfeld.
0: And hey, we're on Spotify now. To whoever that, whoever cares about that.
1: Sure, that that's that's a big deal. I'm getting that Spotify I, money now. And we're on Google Play as well. I'm getting that Google Play money.
0: Yeah, all all no dollars of it.
1: <laughs> so. That leads us to the rest of the podcast.
0: Um, you know what I really like about X Factor 29? What? It's on the cover. All the X Factor guys are in a prison cell. Oh, yeah. That's nice. And, and Infectia is kind of holding it.
1: It's Infectia and the Antibodies. They're a new band that uh, play in Manhattan. They rock, they're, they're awesome infectious a woman who can infect people with powers for just a little bit of time until they run out of power and then they die, I think, or they run out of power and go back to human. No, they die. I think they die. I think you're right. Yeah,
0: they dissolve into nothingness.
1: So with all the shenanigans that have been going on with the ship, They've decided that they're going to move the ship away from Manhattan because it's just causing too much darn trouble. And Infectia decides that she
0: really wants this ship. Which is, I like this character a lot, but like, she's very unrealistic. (laughs) That ship, I want it. That's her whole motivation.
1: I don't, I we will have to see. I don't believe she's recurring. I think she exists for one purpose and one purpose only. So we might as well just call her plot device. (laughs) But uh, anyways, it doesn't
0: manifest itself in this issue. By that account, you could could say every villain is plot device.
1: No, because most villains have a recurring, like, prominence within the Marvel Universe. They feel like Infectious shows up to do one thing and then you never see her again. Maybe. (laughs) I might be wrong about that. Maybe she's like a recurring X-Factor villain, but I don't don't recall that. I did stop reading X-Factor around issue 40, so who knows? Anyways, yeah, she wants the ship, so she she meets some dudes in a bar and she makes them into mutants and says, Don't use your powers, unless I tell you to, because they, they burn up and then you go back to being normal. Um, Cyclops and Marvel Girl are fighting still over Madeline because Cyclops keeps watching the tape of Madeline saying, Wherever you are, Scotty, I love you.
0: Find our son, keep him safe. Which, which is like, we just got Scott back and already he's turned into that old Scott again.
1: Yeah, and it's <sighs> really hammed up this issue. Like he's like, no, everything's my fault and blah, blah, blah. I'll stay, but I'm not happy about it. Marvel Girl's like, I hate her. I hate you. But there's this big fight sequence that they go through where like, I mean, if you read this issue, Cyclops is just he's not worth anybody's time. <laughs> yeah
0: he he's back to whining
1: Cyclops He's a jerk He's being selfish He's not looking for his friends To help him find his son um, And he's very standoffish And he's very cold He's snapping at the rest of his teammates But yet during this fight Marvel Girl's like Well of course he would be like this I was his first love And then Madeline came around And when Scott left She didn't even come after him I would have come after him really doesn't paint Marvel girl into a very strong light.
0: Yeah. She's kind of assuming that Madeline is an extremely one dimensional character, which I guess is what you do. If you're the other girl or the other, or the other guy, you just assume, you know, you assume things about the person that you don't really know. And I like that aspect of it, but yeah, it's, it's extremely one dimensional the way that they do it here.
1: But it's, it's, it's even just Marvel or or Jean just not being like, all right, look, Clearly, he's got some demons he's got to deal with, and I'm gonna go my own way. And if I meet another guy, I meet another guy, and that's just the way it goes.
0: Well, yeah, realistically, she'd be like, "All right, this guy's a basket case. <laughs> I need to get out of this."
1: Right, and and you know maybe if he comes around, maybe you know like we we work through our issues, like he does his, and I go through mine. Like like, let's face it, Jean has been with one guy, and that's it. And then she was in a cocoon, and then she was back. So she really hasn't experienced, explored life, explored people.
0: Scott, I got to tell you I've got so much to offer the world.
1: <laughs> there's a uh, there's a confusing bit of dialogue where he says, "Jean, we were in each other's arms." There we go. Even as Madeline was dying in battle with the X-Men, and she says, "We were what? No way. At least not quite." And Scott, you thought she'd already she was
0: already dead, that she'd been
1: dead for months. What, is, well, what does that mean? Were they not in each other's arms? Like, we saw them on the ship in every single room. Yeah,
0: yeah, they did it in the ship in every <laughs> single room. Um, Why is think, Gene
1: saying, no way, at least not quite? What does that mean? Well, like,
0: um, the, way that, the way that Scott's painting it is that uh, different than, than Gene sees it, whereas Scott had moved on. Mm. Whereas Scott is painting it, uh, I, like... We, we knew all about this whole Madeline thing, and we progressed anyway. Or, I don't know. Hmm. It's not great. No.
1: It was a confusing bit of dialogue. But uh, by the time the issue ends, Jean has rationalized that everything, like this is perfectly normal. She loves Scott, and then she, she's going to stay with him. They're going to all find the baby together. All of that's fine. And then she delivers kind of like this pa- panel-and-a-half speech. About how like she understands and she's gonna be there for him, and then Cyclops is like, "Yeah, you're right," and then they kiss. <laughs> it's like, I don't know, like he. I just wish at one point in my life a woman fawned over me like Jean is fawning over Cyclops.
0: I don't. I don't know. I. I think. I think that there's a. There's a. There's a problem with that, and that you probably wouldn't respect her.
1: Well, that's right. I mean, and the, the reality is, you'd be like, "You're pathetic,"
0: right? And you what just is probably this, keep what up. What's wrong with this woman exactly? Can she uh, see how terrible I am? I
1: am like a real jerk. <laughs> and the more jerky I am to you, the more like no. Get out of my sight. I don't know if that would be the case, but I just it's this this whole thing. And this is written by Louise Simonson, right? Yeah. So I don't know if she's like putting herself aside and being like, look, it's teenage boys that read this. So I'm yeah, gonna write I, I, this I, for teenage boys.
0: I think she's she's, she's writing comics. Yeah. It's, okay, fair yeah, enough. It's 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 not super detailed relationship stuff is very surface.
1: So yeah, the the mutant guys they they get on board the ship, they they attack, they're going to try to hijack it, but X-Factor's fighting them off um and they use up their powers and die uh while Marvel Girl is doing some power stuff. So Marvel Girl actually kind of thinks that she killed them and Iceman and Cyclops are like it's not your fault and that's when Marvel Girl's like I don't care about them. Scott It's all you and me. (laughs) Like, she could care less that these people just died. It's weird. Uh, And Angel, or Death, I guess, he confronts Trish Chilby and is like, you know about Cameron Hodge and the mutant, anti-mutant organization and Candy. How are they connected and where are they?
0: Yeah, he's trying to track down Candy Southern and also get revenge on Cameron Hodge.
1: And he ends up shooting Beast with his poison knives, which is not really that nice. No. (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> <laughs> and beast continues to get dumber by the end of the issue uh gene and cyclops have made up they're they've made a pact to go find um the sun and infectia she's watching through a telescope and she's like oh my anti-men they failed but i know how i'll make this happen i need somebody with power and that's when she sees a smiling iceman. Through her telescope.
0: I think when you create a new villain, you know, you don't know what the life of the villain is going to be. Maybe this could be the next big villain. Maybe not. <laughs> yeah, yeah, maybe. But I'm looking. Infectia glass through issue 31, disappears until issue 55, and her last appearance is X-Men number 27.
1: Oh, okay. <coughs> and then there's New Mutants number
0: 65. Yeah, I'm about to have a cough storm oh boy is that it is it over all right i think i'm good ready yes uh did you read this one this one was pretty good
1: i read it i i I looked at it and i read it it's a wonderful art by brett blevins and terry austin this is
0: this is really where the inferno prologue really is the inferno prologue
1: Definitely. Who colored this thing? Oh, Glennis Oliver's Well, So I don't know. I feel like it's either it must be the combination of Brett Blevins, Terry Austin. But I feel like the colors in these issues just pop. And maybe it's the. No, I just feel like everything pops in these last couple of New Mutants issues.
0: I wonder if uh, if you have like a physical comic in front of you or if the coloring is slightly different because of the texture of the paper. It could be. I don't know. I don't uh, have them, so. I'll never know.
1: Magneto has grounded the new mutants, so they can't use their powers and they can't leave. Ilyana. So mad at Forge. She's gonna find him and kill him.
0: The first few pages they kinda of talk about how, like, look, the X Men made their choice and Forge isn't really a bad guy, and everybody gets that, but she's just like, I don't care. I wanna kill him. Yeah.
1: The rest of the new mutants are like, well, you're our teammate and we'll follow you wherever, but we're not quite on board with Killing Forge.
0: Mainly to protect you. Right. She visits Kitty in uh, on Muir Island. This is presumably before the uh, Excalibur adventure that we covered a couple of episodes ago.
1: I feel like you're right because she's talking about how difficult it is to maintain uh, her so- solidity, which seems to be a thing that went away with the Excal- Excalibur special edition thing.
0: Yeah, so uh, Iliana tries to convince Kitty to come along with her to help her kill Forge, and uh, Kitty's kind of like, "Well, no, uh, we got to move on. We're we're adults now. You can't act like like a kid. This is this is you can't go around killing people."
1: Nothing's gonna bring back the X Men. Even Magneto, for all his power, can't bring them back. Just stop acting like a baby. And she's like, "Nope, I'm gonna do it." And so she teleports away, and Kitty kind of bends over. She's sad. Her best friend is kind of on this warpath. She loved Peter. So almost like a mother. How can you think I don't care? The New Mutants, even though they're grounded, they go up into the attic and they they get on their their graduation uniforms. No, they're...
0: no, no. These are these are post graduation uniforms. Oh, oh, okay. These are not the graduation uniforms. These are after that.
1: Oh, jeez. Iliana shows up just to grab her outfit, and everybody jumps into the teleportation portal. And And they're all split in half. (laughs) Yes. Just their torsos make it into limbo. No, they all make it into limbo and they all notice that limbo's a little bit different than it used to be. Like, way worse than it used to be.
0: But Shiliana explains away as relating to her emotional state.
1: There was an issue we read a while ago like the dream issue where a part of warlock had gotten into limbo and infected everything with the techno virus. yes did that did that part actually happen
0: yeah that really happened okay um uh what his dad magus gave sim the powers of the the technovirus i guess but how they're did, kind of they're kind did, of abandoning that except for the fact that sim can't really die now it seems like
1: how did magus make it into limbo
0: uh i don't remember okay. just just
1: because uh, in that one flash issue it was like a little piece of either either uh
0: probably they teleported him there to store him and it ended up being a bad idea hmm. but i don't remember
1: because as you look around, most of the demons now are all metally And they're not techno-virus-looking. They are not techno looking they do not look like warlock. Now they just look like metal demons.
0: Yeah, they sort of abandoned the whole techno sort of thing and, and forgotten, except for the part where, in order to keep back the techno-virus-slash-demonic takeover, uh, Ilyana thrusts her soul sword into the ground, and that's the only thing keeping it from... Uh, being fully corrupted, and, and this is a big deal in this issue when she she says she needs her soul sword, so she takes it out, and she's going to take it with her in order to kill Forge because she knows that he is a magician and her soul sword can uh, strike down magic, and she says it's worth it to take this out, and everybody's like, no, nah, is probably a bad idea.
1: And that's when a really cool silhouetted panel of Sim, who... Looks way cooler than he ever used to, and a bunch of other silhouetted robotic demons all show up and he's like, Forge's portal is nothing compared to the one that Sim will open with the Dark Child's unwitting help.
0: Hey, so I guess they are kind of techno virus here. I mean there's there's like a happy guy in the background from a couple issues ago. There's the uh the the doctor guy that was testing on bird brain. He's yep. in here.
1: Yeah, oh yeah, there he is, yep.
0: Speaking of uh Ileana and Limbo, uh the uh, last month's Fantastic Floor Four, um they bumped into Belasco, who's just like hanging out underground. Oh in the same in the same area that Mole Man is. He's got his own little underground section. So that's what Belasco's doing.
1: Hanging out with Mole Man. Yeah. So they teleport to I guess Dallas?
0: Yeah, it looks like it's right after I, I don't know. Why are they all just hanging out here? Why does Forge have his shirt off? Well, we learned. This feels like it's it's moments after the X-Men disappeared, but.
1: Right. This is, this is like we read a Captain America issue in which Blob and Pyro were walking down the hallways of the Pentagon like, oh, those X-Men are dead. Ha, ha, ha. But in an this... earlier issue, and I forgot to mention this last week cyclops when he was leaving the x-men he's like i gotta get to dallas so i can talk to freedom force about what they know about madeline and my son that was a detail yeah. that was so so the last like three months of comics freedom force has been in dallas except for when blob and pyro went to the pentagon to and it wasn't even uh captain america it was the fake captain america right the not steve rogers captain america
0: so i'm guessing that Freedom force to make this all work is traveling in between Dallas and um, the Pentagon, which I think is where that was. Actually, to make Um, it
1: easier, doesn't Ileana kind of travel through time and space?
0: I don't think she's doing that here, though.
1: Oh, okay.
0: Um, But I mean, yeah, that would be another explanation for it. Like it could be she's going backwards in time to directly right after the X-Men were sent over. But I don't think that's true. My explanation is that the, the cleanup of Dallas is taking time. Sure. And Forge is helping uh, Freedom Force work on it because Freedom Force is probably a little. There, there was like that whole thing in the X Men where they were kind of like, "We're heroic now. We yeah. hang out with our bros, the X Men." And Storm was like, "No, you're.
1: Yeah, you have to stay here and represent. We're well, like nobody will miss us. You got to do the good work." Yeah. Uh, so, anyways, just as Destiny predicted. The new mutants have showed up.
0: Forge uh, is standing behind Destiny. A tangle of probability for catastrophe hangs around the dark child, clouding my perception of the future, says Destiny. And, yet, and then falls asleep.
1: <laughs> and yet, one thing is clear she will bring disaster for our world, and, pro- and the possibility of all our salvation hangs on the outcomes of what will happen here tonight. I see
0: an Inferno coming.
1: <laughs> Forge, tonight you will die, she says. She lunges in and uh, you know, Blob steps in. It's a good good fight between the New Mutants and Freedom Force. Freedom Force basically trying to protect um, Forge. And the New yep. Mutants, again, are still kind of like, I, I guess we're doing this. They're, they're not really that well committed. Uh, but Ileana is um, knocked out by the Blob, so I guess the New Mutants are a little upset by that.
0: Yeah, they're they, like they said, they were trying to protect um Iliana, and they also don't trust Freedom Force because they, they know them as the Brotherhood of Evil Mutants. Dow, that's right.
1: They didn't read the files. Yeah. Uh Warlock turns into a really cool like unicycle pod for Mirage. Yeah. I like it. That's, with four at first fists. I,
0: I, I thought she was doing some sort of like dug lock thing, but no, it's just, it's just a vehicle. Yeah. Um, sunspot knocks over a wall and it lands on spiral and um, two other Brotherhood people. I guess Stonewall and somebody else. Um, and then uh, Destiny gets kind of a chuckle and she says, "I saw the blow coming and chose not to stop it. Those bricks won't hurt Stonewall nor Avalanche, but Spiral's humiliation is balm to my soul. I find her totally insufferable."
1: That was a that's
0: a very good line.
1: And she's that was really funny. And she's got that uh, uh, devious old woman look about her face. Yeah, yeah,
0: this is a great little panel.
1: I know exactly what happened there, and I'm very happy it happened.
0: And then off-panel, she's like,
1: <laughs> and she takes a nap. Commando does more than we've ever seen him do. He's taking out Mirage. He's taking out Sunspot. He's just punching people and flipping them over.
0: Yeah, the uh, old-fashioned heroes are really in top form in this issue.
1: Yeah, I think uh, Super Saber eventually shows up and does his little sonic boom snap and knocks, like, everybody out. Yeah. Um, It's a pretty cool panel of Spiral and all of her swords. And she's getting ready to... I don't know what she's getting ready to do. Oh, should I not kill her mystique and save her all a lot of trouble? Referring to uh, um, uh, Ilyana, because they know that Ilyana's going to bring doom.
0: And uh, so the Brotherhood basically... Um, also, has I overwhelmed guess, the New Mutants yeah, at this point.
1: It should also be noted that um, Ileana does get a hold of Forge and she's getting ready to stab him when Cannonball's like, no, this ain't right, knocks her out of the way and we find out that Forge was actually Mystique the whole time. So Forge is not oh, yeah. here. That-
0: well. He he is, he's just not here, here.
1: Right, he's (laughs) away. And so uh, Mystique... uh, He's watching
0: from the top of a mountain, apparently.
1: uh, Or Destiny says, spiral, no, stop. And she says, look, Mirage is projecting my greatest fear, my overwhelming horror at what I know is to come. It is more than she can block my horrors, overwhelm her, and uh, forces this vision. And it's a bunch of techno-virus-infected demons Like, just smashing around Manhattan. This is what destiny is, like, seeing in the future.
0: Look at it, Dark Child. Look at it and learn. That's
1: the thing I couldn't see has already begun. Uh, The Dark Child will bring has already brought by her willfulness, her desire for revenge, disaster on herself and the world. Put down your swords. She must leave. She must learn. Blah, blah, blah. Or we won't exist.
0: the New Mutants. Uh, it looks like they're getting ready to teleport away, or they maybe they do teleport. But well, at any at any rate, f- the real Ford shows up on the top of the mountain and is like, "If you got a problem, come deal with me. I'll solve it. Check <laughs> out my hook. Well, oh, my DJ revolves it.
1: Well, Mystique resolves it. <laughs> revolves it.
0: It's a little confusing about what is actually happening here because. He, she, I, she, she teleports all of the new mutants To the top of the mountain But it doesn't look like it's Like she could have just walked there
1: Yeah It doesn't look like it's all that far away But she teleports like, everybody up there And she says I've been tricked before I won't be tricked again And he will be mine He gets ready to slice her Forge is up there Mystique Should we try to stop her? No we've done all we can uh, Like
0: all of us The new mutants must go Where the winds of fate blow them Freedom Force's presence here, our conflict with those children, my warning, has already made a difference. I think. <laughs> Wh- who am I again? I can't remember. Barry, is
1: that you? How come you never call anymore, Barry? Uh, even the Dark trial must follow her destiny, but the fate of our world hangs in the balance, and may heaven have mercy on all of our souls. Next issue, Sorcerer's Duel. Dark Child versus
0: Forge. But this is
1: actually kind of cool to read these things together like this, um, because you can really see that... I feel like they learned from Mutant Massacre, and they learned from Fall of the Mutants, and now they're getting ready, like, a year out for Inferno, and so... Instead of just, like, dumping it all on you, they're kind of sprinkling in, like, some hints. Yeah, they're no, planning it out. It, and,
0: it feels planned.
1: Yes, and so if you're just reading these things, you're like, oh, what are they talking about? And you're going to get more and more of this sprinkled out throughout the issues until it happens, and you're going to be like, oh. And then it goes off the rails, and then you end up with uh, Atlantis Factor or whatever that thing yeah. was. Yeah.
0: No matter what you do, it always ends up going off the rails.
1: <laughs> I actually, like, I guess it'll be interesting to see how I find Inferno this time around. Like, I think of the Marvel uh, cross-continuity storylines, I think it's, it's, well, of that era anyways, uh, it's one of my favorites. And I think after that, they just kind of feel ridiculous. Mm-hmm. But we'll see. And then finally, uh, Marvel Comics Presents Wolverine issue number
0: three. Um, we get, first we get a flashback of the last issue of uh, Jesse, Jessen Hohen's, um, what happened in the last issue of the Reavers, but, or uh, Uncanny X-Men, but you don't, you don't need to hear all that because you could just go back to the previous episode and listen to it.
1: Yeah. I guess, do you know when this was released in context to that issue of X-Men?
0: Uh, several months later.
1: Okay. <laughs> Cause it like literally half this story is just like, Hey, this is why we know Jessen Hohen.
0: And the other half is Wolverine getting his butt kicked by Jess Anne Hone. So so first Jess Anne Hone beats him, bests him. Well, first um, of all, she's got she's got some pretty slick moves on on here, too.
1: She does. She's, she's got like she's got like poison breath and like a Aikido moves. But first of all, Wolverine's like, you're Jessanne Ho and She's like, no, I'm not. I don't know who you are. Leave me alone. And that's when we get the whole thing. We we assumed that when uh, what's her face? What's her face? Uh, Roma, Roma uh, returned her. She returned her back to the bank to just kind of live her life. Well, with everybody dead around her. But apparently, a part of that was her forgetting. I mean, I guess we'll learn more throughout the rest of the story. But
0: yeah, she, I don't, I don't quite know what has happened to her yet, right. and they don't, they don't do any sort of explanation of it.
1: So she's either forgotten who she is, she's repressed who she is, or uh, she's pretending she doesn't know who she is. But either way, uh, she doesn't let on to Wolverine, and she kicks his ass like a bunch.
0: Yeah, she kicks him into a moving vehicle, which collapses onto him, and then she runs around the corner, hops on a motorcycle. And you think she's trying to escape, but she swings back around and kicks Wolverine in the back. <laughs> yeah, it's it's pretty awesome. Like it's kind oh, of awesome.
1: I just recovered. I'm pretty zoned out. And then she kicks me in the back, and he goes flying again.
0: And and just... Even Wolverine thinks this is kind of hilarious because in the next panel, he's like, "I
1: can't help but laugh." Right. It's so like here I am, supposed to be the hottest thing on two legs, and I uh, let her beat me. And so mm. he's just like laying in a pile, uh, uh, healing and and whatnot. When Sapphire shows back up and she's like, that room's still available, you hunk.
0: Yep. And uh, she says, I'm not going to take no for an answer this time. And she kisses him and it causes him to be drowning and he starts losing his uh, strength and he feels overwhelmed. And he's he manages to push her away and then he's struggling. And then Razor Fist shows up. And slashes him, knocking him down. And it was a, it was a, it was like a three pack. Yeah. Although he... I, I, I don't think Jess and Hohen has anything to do with the other two, but apparently Razor Fist and Sapphire. What's her full name? Sapphire something.
1: I don't remember. I bet you, uh, uh, Razor Fist and Jess Ann Hohen and Sapphire are not all working together. But I, the stories are related somehow. I don't know how, Who but not? they
0: are. Razor Fist and Je- and and Sapphire, Sapphire are definitely working for this Roche character that right. we met in the last issue. I don't think and Hohen is.
1: Um, I don't. She might not be working for this Roche person, but she's involved somehow. Like maybe. Oh
0: yeah, yeah. She's definitely involved, right?
1: So like maybe Roche like found her and corrupted her, but then she escaped and now she's trying to get off on her own.
0: This whole thing is but, called Save the Tiger, and we know that she's the tiger. That's true. So, so yeah. Well. It's a, the, it's about her.
1: Wolverine, after getting hit by Razor Fist and kissed by Sapphire, he he swirls away and blacks out, basically.
0: Dun, dun, dun.
1: Sapphire says, don't worry, though. We'll wake you up in time
0: to die. This chapter was cal- called The Gals because, basically, Wolverine got his butt kicked by The Gals.
1: Are you saying Razor yeah. Fist is a gal?
0: No, that's the only thing. They should have made Razor Fist the gal. That would have been cool.
1: Yeah, then it could have been... Aptly called gals. Yeah. And there's already enough generic dude villains. We could use a few more generic yeah, razor, female. Razor
0: so lame.
1: <laughs> he is pretty lame. So there you go.
0: There you go. Another ep in the can.
1: Uh, yeah. Yeah. yeah, yeah. Whew, that was a long one. Anything else you got to add to this one, Adam?
0: No, sirree, Bob. Oh, actually, I do have like, I meant to mention it last episode, just kind of as a side thing of what's going on in other comics. Um, Spider-Man's back in his red and blue, yay! That's and not X-Men related. It's not, but this is uh, because he doesn't have like he decides to go back to the red and blue because of because Venom is out now and he doesn't oh. want to be in the black and white anymore. But he doesn't have any red and blue costumes left except for the one that says "Daschpini" on it. Oh, so that... it does tie in.
1: Wow, nice!
0: And then um, uh, remember Viper. No. No. She was in a couple of issues of X-Men.
1: I'll take your word for it.
0: And uh, she's 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 the head of the secret serpent group in Captain America right now.
1: Oh, the the secret society?
0: The Society of Serpents. Oh, that's not... The Secret, the secret Serpent Society. I don't know. It's a bunch of people who all have snake things. And um, remember how in the movie Wolver- The Wolverine, Viper had like uh, snake... Uh, abilities like she would bite people.
1: Adam, there is so little of the Wolverine that I remember.
0: (laughs) All right. So I'm, I am somewhat familiar with Viper because of her appearances in much later issues of Wolverine. Um, and I had never like when that movie came out, the Wolverine and she was blonde for one thing. Uh, I was like, oh, that's dead. And then the worst thing was that she actually, like, bit somebody and and used her, like, venom to do stuff. And I was like, that she never had that power. Well, she did. Oh. See. In Captain America. Who was wrong, Adam? Uh, Captain America was wrong, Jeremy.
1: Yeah. <laughs> um, the only thing I really remember about the Wolverine is they fight on the top of a nuclear field fusion tower for some reason
0: that's origins
1: oh then i don't remember oh wait no there was a giant silver samurai
0: yes that was the wolverine
1: and he got his claws cut off
0: not to be confused with the logan
1: and then uh the best part of the movie is when he walks through an airport and magneto and professor x are there and everything changes even though Professor X is dead. And you're like,
0: what?
1: And there's never, ever an explanation offered, which is either the most brilliant thing ever
0: or just like super lazy. Or or maybe that's what ties into the Marvel Cinematic Universe. <laughs> Professor X and Magneto were talking about what what's going on in the Marvel Cinematic U and not in the X-Men U
1: uh alternate reality.
0: Right. So like the Wolverine that we see in the next movie, which I think is Days of Future Past, is a totally different Wolverine than the one that we saw at the airport. It all makes sense. Sure,
1: sure. I'm willing to go with that. <laughs> <laughs> I could argue, you, but I'm not going to. It's not worth my time.
0: You don't remember Viper at all? She was she was yeah, hanging out with Silver know, Samurai
1: kind of I don't not really. That movie was she, very un un no, uh, no,
0: in the comic in the in Uncanny X-Men.
1: Oh no, no.
0: It was when uh Wolverine was getting married to Mariko.
1: Yeah, I remember that.
0: Viper was there with Silver Samurai. Yeah. There was the wacky psychedelic hospital.
1: I remember Silver Samurai, but see the thing is a lot of the Japan issues like bore me, so Oh no. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. I mean I'm I'm I've got an open mind, but but they've never held my attention, and I've read them a few times. And I honestly couldn't tell you what Viper looked like. I'm gonna guess she had black hair.
0: Yes. Ah. Oh uh, no, wait. She has green hair.
1: Damn it. Well, then I got nothing.
0: <laughs> all right. Well, you you probably wouldn't like uh, Wolverine then, because a lot of it takes place in Japan and Madripoor and all those places. Well, we'll
1: we'll see when we get there. I've never actually read any of those early. Uh, x-men unlimited series issues i started collecting x or wolverine at issue i think it was 50 where there was like the torn dossier cover
0: oh yeah yeah Yeah.
1: the die cut cover which i think they printed like a million of them so they're only worth like a dollar a piece probably less if that probably (laughs) not even worth worth... less than you paid for it (laughs) yeah probably not even worth the paper they're printed
0: on yeah and that that story ended up going nowhere
1: yeah that was supposed to be the tell all like wolverine's origin And then,
0: yeah. Well, I guess we learned that Wolverine was implanted with uh, major spoilers for Wolverine (laughs) purists out there who are just learning about it. With us, I'm going to start spoiling now. We just learned that uh, Wolverine has a lot of his memories are implanted, so it just makes the story that much more confusing.
1: Oh, yeah. Okay. Well, we got stuff to look forward to then.
0: Yeah, 20 years from now.
1: Do they ever explain why the leprechauns know that his name is Logan?
0: Not to my knowledge, but yes.
1: Leprechauns. (laughs) Yeah. Okay. Well, until next time, my name is Jeremy. My name's Leprechaun Adam. And the danger room is closed.